Hello, it is Feel Good Friday, November 12th, and you are listening to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Pat had to get on a plane to Norfolk, Virginia for Friday Night Smackdown tonight at 8 p.m. on Fox. Loaded show today, though. Peter Schrager stops by to talk about the OBJ situation. Maurice Jones-Drew, Coach JB, plus Pat and AJ go through the entire Week 10 NFL slate and make their picks. It's a good one. Let's get into it. This Feel Good Friday feels a little bit gooder than every other Feel Good Friday of this 2021 NFL season because last night was the first Thursday night football game of the season that I and we didn't have to experience the pressures of thousands thousands of people's Pockets being affected by our decisions and prognosticating on how these Thursday night football games would go. On this short week, primetime game, we tried to predict between a plus 400 and plus 2,000, at least four legs, less than six leg parlay that never, ever, ever hit. Came so close to hitting numerous times. Almost taking millions and millions away from FanDuel Sportsbook, but inevitably lost every single time. Last night was the first Thursday night football game of the year that I was able to just sit back, relax, and watch. And what a dandy we got to see last night, huh? Hell yeah. And I know South Florida can be damning for teams in the NFL because that humidity down there in the Caribbean that they experience in South Florida is something that is a real kick in the taint. Other teams that come from the north that have to go down there have to experience that. That is an actual weapon because they're in it all day, every day. You go on vacation if you're from a cold weather area. You go on vacation down in the Caribbean. There are times you walk out of your hotel room, your glasses they automatically fog, and you can't breathe because of how fucking thick the air is. And you think to yourself, oh, this is amazing. Then day three, day four, you're like, God damn, it is sticky and hot all day. That could be what happened down in South Florida. That has happened in the past. I don't know with how many South Florida boys that are on the Baltimore Ravens team. It just, I don't know if that's the case. It could be a little place that I'm sure you've heard Drake sing about and other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Who knows what the status of Tootsies is down there in yeah, South Florida right now? Bumping. Second floor of Tootsies getting shoulder rubs. I have seen Tootsies potentially be a magnet for NFL players. Yep. When you play down in South Florida, and potentially there's a little bit of a, a Tootsie's hangover in the game the next day. I don't think it was that either. Tootsie's flu. The Tootsie's flu game. Look into it. There's a lot of them, I bet, <laughs> that have happened through. Not to knock the COVID NFL. That is not the case. Right. No, no. Sure, right. sure, sure, sure. It could be because the moisture on the low-cut grass with the South Florida humidity and precipitation and what Shannon Sharp said, who is a much more explosive human than I would ever be, and you saw Lamar slip and you saw others slip and not really get able to get going, it could be that, or it could be... Maybe the Dolphins don't stink. Oh, Oh, defense. Now, yesterday, yesterday, I think in a matter of seven to eight seconds, I said that the Dolphins... Stink! I think five, six times. Oh, yeah. Because they have proven time and time again that they potentially 
Stink. And on a Thursday night football match, whenever they were choosing to start Jacoby Brissett over Tua Tonga-Valoa, which we are finding that out now, Tua in his post-game presser after running in a touchdown, completing a couple deep balls, playing in the second half, and ultimately getting the nod over Jacoby as Gumpy, who we will get to momentarily talk about this thing, uh, cleverly nodded as Tua was Fitzy. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Jacoby was Tua. Yeah. Mm. But if he was able to go in the second half, why don't you have him in the start of the game if this is your franchise quarterback? Troy Aikman alluded to that. I alluded to that yesterday. AJ alluded to that. Everybody did. And at some point, I assume Tua, even though his family seems to be super positive, optimistic, seems to be a guy that's always upbeat. You see him singing and playing with his ukulele. Everything. At some point, somebody around him is going to say, hey, what the fuck is the deal? Okay. Last year, you had Benjamin big moments. This year, you have, there's rumors that the owner wants him out of town. Now he's starting, but he's not starting. You're releasing that nothing happened to my ribs whenever there was actually a fracture to my ribs. Now I'm sitting on the bench. I'm going in. Seems like he can be a guy. We have no idea if Tua is going to be able to be a guy. Oh, he can't throw the deep ball as well as other people. Drew Brees was in the NFL for 45 years and broke every single record, yep. and they didn't have to do that. There's a couple balls to a missed, a couple balls to a hit, but off the field, the way that whole thing's being handled is alarming. Mm -hmm. I I think it is. But if they can get going and that defense can continue to hunt with B-Flow with his big-ass brain saying, hey, listen, we're going to blitz a couple corners. Hollywood Vaughn, okay, we appreciate you playing football for us and we haven't used you really much at all. But now that we got Lamar Jackson coming in town, we are going to blitz you. It's going to be a cover zero, no safety. It's going to be one-on-ones and we're going to blitz our fast guys on defense. Oh, yeah. So Dan Orlovsky came out and tweeted that what happened last night, the cover zero blitzes, and the I guess he's alluding to who was also being blitzed as opposed to a linebacker and Nichols, actual corners that were coming in with the speed that can keep up with Lamar Jackson. Dan O said this is the same thing that happened in week three when Lamar got beat, and it'll be the same thing that they will see for the rest of the season. And that makes sense. But if it happened in week three, how come it didn't happen in week four, week five, week six, week seven, week eight, week nine? Week nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now it's happening again. Is it because of the personnel that they have, Hollywood Vaughn making the players or making the plays? Is everybody going to be able to do that? Or is last night just potentially a fluke to turn our conversation in a pro Miami Dolphins fashion? Yeah. The biggest Dolphins fan Canadian ever. Yeah. By far. Gumpy, what a night. You called it. You said Dolphins not just plus seven and a half. Dolphins money line plus 290. I believe you said that that's the one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. You celebrated in the day. You felt like it was coming. There's no way you could have predicted what happened last night, Gumpy. The boys were buzzing. This defense <laughs> is back. I mean, last week, I know nobody watched them play the Texans. Nobody watched that game. But that defense had that buzz like they had last year. Opportunistic. Tua doesn't have to be the fucking superhero. With this defense, he just has to be good. He's a likable guy. Just give him a chance. Just give the guy a chance. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. We got four games here. We got the Jets twice, Panthers once. I forget the other team. Finns are about to be seven and seven. Hey, they might come in third in the division. And if they do that, I am going to get paid yeah, out. Cash in. Yeah. Now, granted, they come in fourth, which is going to be uh, tough to do. You know what I mean? Because who knows what's going to happen with the Jets? Mike White. Yeah. Awesome. Look yeah. at. Like, I think I, I probably should have been number one overall pick. <laughs> it's bullshit. Mike White. <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, he had one incredible game and, yeah. a, and uh-huh. a drive that looked like he, he was going to be unstoppable. 
But the Jets locker room is chanting Mike White's name. He actually <laughs> said they won't stop chanting my name. So a couple quick things. Is Zach Wilson present when the entire locker room is chanting Mike White's name? I hope not. Because the fans are doing it. Now his teammates are doing it. <laughs> yeah. And then Mike White saying, I think I should have been number one overall pick. Is that him saying, Zach, number two? I don't know if you remember that. I remember. Like the, all oh. these subliminal potential messages that are being sent out, not for Mike White to deal with. But it is awesome to kind of get a grasp that in that building, I believe there is a real belief like, hey, this guy is our guy going forward. Why not this guy who appears to be much better than the other guy? I'm excited to see how the Joe Douglas level that drafted Zach Wilson number two overall. They also signed Mike White, by the way. Yeah. I wonder how they'll deal with that since they invested that whole thing. And Zach Wilson said, yeah, you're right. I probably could learn some things from Mike White. Yeah, Bob Barker. Let me sit back and watch this thing. I believe Zach Wilson did also say, like, you know, when you look at it, I do need to play more like Mike White does. So I think mentally he might already that's be smart. saying, he's like, hey, uh-huh. get me out of here. I can't beat this guy. Out. Oh, okay. You this guy's it, a legend. That's what he's thinking. Maybe that is the case. But back to the point, the Dolphins could go. I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? This was the conversation before the season. They stunk. They stunk. They stunk. A Thursday night win against Lamar, that performance, maybe you get going. I don't know if I doubt it. I doubt it. But maybe you get maybe. going. I don't know if it's saying much, but Flores the last two weeks has had the play calling sheet in front of him. He didn't have that the rest of the season. I don't know if he gave up defensive play calling at the start of the year. Oh, and he's but, back in it. Yeah. It feels so the like, opposite of what normally happens. Yeah. Yes. So I think he might have taken Give me that, play me that back. fucking thing. Yeah. Give me sick of it. Give me it. Jeez. My time. Van Denke hasn't made a play in four years. He looked good yeah. last he night. Was he was fine last uh-huh. night. Yeah. B-Flow's like, give me the Denke. <laughs> now. That Hollywood is good, man. He flies. Yeah. Oregon Uh, Duck. I don't want to pivot away from this Thursday night football celebration for Gumpy and all Dolphins. Congrats. Hey, fins up. Congrats on fins up. That is not how I thought it was going to go at all, especially with the the jersey retirement this weekend for Lamar back at home. Back at home, I thought the Ravens were going to kill. I mean, it all kind of changed when Sammy Watkins thought he was going to die running into the uh, the post. Yeah. And then I looked up when the post used to be in the front of the end zone. People did get accordion dollars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just absolutely accordion. So you can see how Sammy Watkins potentially thinks, and it's very tight on the backside. They catch that. Who knows what happens? And obviously the fumble later to kind of turn the whole thing on but for <laughs> Xavier Howard there. But they just never got going for whatever reason. I could have never expected it. And I'm thankful that we didn't have a same-game parlay with like 30,000 people riding alongside of it, and I didn't have to stare in the mirror and know that I lost for everybody. Yeah, thank God. Join us now as a man who wins for everybody all the time. Hell, yeah. This morning, he cut a promo alongside Kyle Brandt in the Wall Streeters talking about Kansas City Chiefs, Aaron character the entire time. I recommend you go check it out on the social media platform of your choosing. He's a Emmy-nominated host mm-hmm. of Good Morning Football and NFL Network, also co-host of the podcast Flying Coach, and his other co-host, and that is Sean McVay. Sean McVay, oh. head coach of the Rams. Hmm. Sean McVay brought Matt Stafford to the Rams. Sean McVay brought uh, Vaughn Miller to the Rams. And then the most recent thing Sean McVay has done is he said, uh, bring me Odell Beckham Jr. To tell us potentially about how this all went down behind the scenes and how every insider seemed to have it wrong. Every report, every source seemed to be wrong. How is that the case? Ladies and gentlemen, Fox Insider Peter Schreiger. What's up, dude? What's up, bro? I'm in New York City. I'm outside. It's raining. 
But after I saw the ratings and the views that you guys had last Friday, I said, I'll step right in. Let's go. No, I appreciate you doing this. And uh, last Friday was rather large, obviously. A conversation in the deep end of my pool that I should not be swimming in. But <laughs> You were great. Come on. Uh, thanks, Shrakes. Not everybody felt that way with uh, your particular pedigree. But let's, um, <laughs> hey, Shrakes, let's talk about this real quick. Your guy, Sean McVay, co-host of the Flying Coach podcast. Incredible. You guys have great chemistry. You've told stories about how much you've known each other. Is this Sean McVay wanting to go all in? Is this GM wanting to go all in? Is this Kroenke saying, hey, if we win the Super Bowl in Los Angeles as one of the two new teams in the Los Angeles area, this is going to pay off long-term for Rams fans forever? Is it all of those things? And who's driving the entire aggressive ship right now for them, you think? Yeah, it's all those things combined, but it's Sean McVay. And I'll tell you this, two days ago when all this stuff is going on and nothing against the other insiders and it's the teams being listed and Schefter, who's great at what he does, is doing photoshops of all these different possible jerseys. I got to tell you, people within the Rams organization were kind of grinning like, why isn't anyone putting us in these conversations? Why aren't they using it? Look, when they cut Deshaun Jackson, there was a little bit of budget that became available. And the McVay-Beckham infatuation goes back years i could say all the way back to 2017 when odell was currently talking about all right i don't want to be here like they, these guys met in the offseason there was no tampering or anything but out in la mcveigh and odell they got to know each other and it was very informal but there was a certain thing where like mcveigh's like i like this guy then when he goes up to be traded the browns offered everything and the ran and the, the giants were like we'll make a deal with the browns but like that relationship of mcveigh respecting odell and all that stuff that was there so finally McVeigh gets on the phone with Odell two days ago, and it's like, dude, come. Like, we've got the room. We've got the place. And Beckham wants to be in L.A., has wanted to play there. And then the players took, like, a real initiative. And it was Jalen Ramsey. It was Vaughn Miller. And I, and I told this story briefly on air this morning. I could tell you guys here, basically, Jalen Ramsey's on a FaceTime, like I'm doing with you right now. And Odell Beckham's asking about the wide receivers. What are they like? What's it like? And Ramsey brings the phone into the wide receivers room yesterday and it's like guys i'm facetiming with odell right now guys do you do you want him on the and it's cup and it's woods and it's dan jefferson they're all like yeah bro come <laughs> it was like a full-on recruiting trip via facetime and at the end of the day odell is going to make decent money it's going to be a rental unless he wants to stick around afterwards he's going to get a chance to play for a championship team could have gotten more touches elsewhere could have been the number one in new orleans He's going to L.A. and he's going to go play for McVay and he's going to go try to win a Lombardi trophy. Uh, I love to hear that about Jalen Ramsey recruiting him and Von Miller as well, I think. And are you okay? It sounds like a flood is potentially rolling in there, Shregs. Hope you survive. Find Noah. Get an arc. The entire, the entire thought, though, that these other teams, were they not doing the same? Because... The reports out of, I assume, people that were pretty close were these recruiting pitches. This is the first time Odell Beckham Jr. had been a free agent. There was coaches, players, personnel reaching out, and star fans. Were you one of the star fans that McVeigh said, hey, will you call Odell Beckham Jr.? Say, maybe you get him on flying coach. And what were these other teams trying to do? Was nobody else anywhere near the recruitment level, you think, of the Rams? Yeah, following Twitter yesterday, I might have been the only insider that wasn't getting texts and updates from Beckham. I was the only one on the outside, it felt like, because <laughs> we were seeing all these other teams and all these other conflicting reports. Um, the Devontae Adams stuff was great, and I think the Packers had a real shot. They offered him minimum money, and I think once McVay took the initiative to get on the phone and reach out to Odell himself directly and make the pitch, and the Rams are going all in on Vaughn. 
who has known Odell for quite some time, and all these other players saying, hey, let's get a part of this, let's be a part of this, we want you on this team, it, it became really evident that like he wanted to be there also. The, the money was more than it was offered in Green Bay. The Saints, they tried trading for Odell before the trading deadline. Didn't work out. The terms couldn't be worked out with Cleveland. And I think at the end of the day, it was like, all right, I love going home. I love that, whatever. But this is the first time he could choose where he's going since he chose LSU way back when he was in high school. And he's choosing to go play in L.A. And a lot of people are like, well, that's going to be a toxic mix. And look what happened with Deshaun Jackson. He didn't get the ball. Like, from the football side of it, and I've spoken to the guys there on this, like, 10 personnel, four wide receivers. Let's have it. Let's let it fly with Stafford, and let's see how it goes. Didn't end well with Eli. Did not end well with Baker. The hope is eight weeks with a Super Bowl championship as the goal. It's going to end just fine with Stafford. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the offenses. And we're talking about this with the Packers when the Rams aren't even being mentioned in this entire thing. That offense throws the ball a lot, so you can put him in there in one of those things and just make it a, a higher priority on the play or whatever, as opposed to the offense changing for Odell Beckham Jr., which is what I feel like would have potentially happened in New England. When mm-hmm. Was Bill involved? Do you know anything about Bill Belichick potentially being involved in that? I don't. I honestly don't. And I have almost been afar from the Odell stuff because it was such hysteria and there was so much going on. And I'm like, let's let this thing settle because I knew he wasn't going to make a decision right away. And then once the Rams were getting involved, I kind of caught wind of that and you know, say what you want about McVeigh as a coach. Like, he's a closer. And a lot of these guys in free agency, they want to play for him. And they want to be a part of that. And he got on the phone and he did his job. He, the other piece to it was, like, you know, Deshaun Jackson was kind of a different deal. He was a 34-year-old wide receiver who has that route where he can be as fast as anybody. But he's not going to get 10 looks a game. There's going to be a couple plays involved. And when it came down to it, Deshaun wasn't thrilled with how things were going. McVeigh said, go find yourself a trade partner. We'll do it. At the end of the day, they were like, just not working out we'll release you he'll end up somewhere else with the Raiders whatever it is but that left money it left over for them to go get Odell Beckham and Odell Beckham's incentives unlike Antonio Brown last year they're all team incentives so if this team wins a wild card round that's a big check for Odell if they win in the divisional round big check for Odell catches are not a part of it so it's not like one of these deals where all right he's got to be the first target or he's going to be upset He's walking into this knowing what it's going to be. Oh, so like team-oriented goals is such a beautiful thing because there's escalators that have been in contracts for a long time. For instance, if the offensive rush game gets better by 20% once you get in there, here's a bonus in there. There's like some offensive linemen who have that. I wonder how these $3 million in incentives that are team-based, team-oriented, which is very smart. I think it's a lot easier to get everybody to buy in if everything is team-oriented. And it's kind of a... You know, I don't know why that hasn't been used. How do they how do they get around? Is that three million though, if it's earned? Is that just spread out over the next couple of years? How's that salary cap? How how are they able to do everything? Yeah. And then some teams aren't able to do anything, Shrags. What is it? Well, how come some teams do the salary cap gymnastics and other teams just refuse to do it? That's a credit to their salary cap guy named Tony Pastores. A lot of times. Oh, you know Tony. Tony, Brett, hey, Tony contract. Tony. Tony Tony's the contract guy. Tony comes in and hey, he takes a look at it all. Tony but even contracts. with the Vaughn Miller deal, they give up a second and third refuse. round pick. The Broncos are paying the very yeah. like $9 million, the 9.3. So they've been very creative with how they break things down. I couldn't tell you the nooks and crannies of the contract. I haven't seen it yet with Odell. 
But I do know when they released the Sean Jackson, there was a nice pot of money Got that it. was going to go somewhere. And by not having to pay Von Miller all that money, there's a little room for Odell to be made whole. How about General George uh, Payton, Patton, Payton, Payton, yeah, Payton having to uh, discuss contracts with Tony Contracts? Ooh. And Tony Contracts, like, how about the Gabagool comes from your market, not mine? Uh-huh. <laughs> Nine million, you'll pay for Vaughn. He'll play for us. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Go ahead. Tone with some Gabagool over there. Strikes. Um, does Mc, did McVay always want to pass as much and he didn't in the past and he ran a lot more because Goff stinks and now Stafford doesn't have you, you talked to him about any of that Tony you know, it's funny because their offense you know with, with Goff was, was clicking and did all the things but a lot of it was that jet sweep mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff was some of the motion stuff they haven't done that much this year and maybe they'll do it more with Odell in the lineup but a lot of it is on Stafford's shoulders now so I would say it's not as much that Goff stinks it's that there's a trust in that Stafford at the line of scrimmage can dissect things and kind of analyze what he wants to do on the field. He's got all the weapons now. Go do your thing. I'll draw up the blueprint. But it's not as much, hey, here's the play before we get to the line. That's what you're going to run. Let's go and do it. So I think they're happier with Stafford than they were with Golf last year. It's an upgrade, obviously. But none of this matters if they don't win a Super Bowl now. So Golf took them there. Let's see if Stafford can too. Yeah, Golf. I mean, I guess Goff took him there. I mean, that's one yeah. way to He's on work. the ride. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he yeah. got paid for it, though. I mean, they decided to pay him for it. He got $100 million, built the golf course. Yep. Now he's in Detroit looking for uh, Motor City Dan Campbell's input on the offense Ooh. against the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I think it's going to go well. I think it's going. It's all going well. <laughs> McVay's got to be so fucking pumped about this all. I am as well because I bet on Matthew Stafford immediately upon trading to win the MVP because I thought after watching all the Lions games because I watched because I want to dunk on Foxy, yeah. you want, you're like, this dude is unfucking believable He's incredibly tough. He slings it. For whatever reason, the Lions just lose. McVay has to be so happy, and this is just another piece of that entire puzzle. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Peter, obviously the Odell news is awesome, but let's uh, get serious for a second. When you look at the game that happened against the Titans, was that something that resulted in them having to go after Odell because, you know, that was kind of such a tough game for them? And it was that just a fluke, and you think that'll kind of be put to bed? I don't think it's a fluke. I think the Tennessee Titans were the better team, and I think they might be the better team. The way the Tennessee Titans defense got after it. Now, look, the Rams offensive line, it's been good this season. And when they let Austin Blythe leave, they were like, all right, Brian Allen, you're going to be the new center. We're going to go from here. We'll make it happen. He's been great all season. Got his ass kicked on Sunday. And I think the entire offensive line would agree that Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry and Danico Autry had their way. I don't think Odell has anything to do with that game directly. I think this is more long-term, many years, Sean McVay having his eye on Odell and him finally being available at a cost that wasn't going to cost first-round picks, at a contract that wasn't going to break the bank. This is a very rare window in time where Odell Beckham was available at a discount price, and that's why they pounced. But I don't think it's a direct direct response to getting their ass kicked on Sunday. Okay, uh, why? What, what? You think it was the Tootsies flu last night? You think it was mm. South Florida? You think it was... What do you think happened last night? That, that, was, that was alarming. I, I did not expect that at all. No, look, I don't, I don't talk spreads and gambling on the NFL Network for obvious lines, but I saw a stat today. I could do it on your show. Um, hello, FanDuel. Uh, they were... Hello, FanDuel. There have been four double-digit underdogs that have won in the last five games that have had double-digit spreads. Outright. So something's funky going on, whether teams are taking their eyes off the prize. I look at Baltimore... And all season, they were due for one of these because they have been playing catch-up the entire way. 
They have been finding rabbits in their head. They were down 14 points to Minnesota. They're, they're relying on Pat Ricard, the fullback, to get back in the game last week. They're doing things all season that have been like, we're going to pull it out somehow after being down double digits in the first half. Last night it caught up to them. Flores was sending the dogs. You guys mentioned it. Had the play calling sheet in his hand, and the Ravens had no response. I don't blame Florida. I blame them playing an overtime game and getting their ass kicked uh, all up and down the field with just physicality against the Vikings on Sunday then having to turn around three days later playing a game down to Sean Elliott, down about 20 other starters from earlier in the season, and finally it caught up to them. The Dolphins gave them their lunch last night. That's, inter- that's a great way to break it down there, and they did give them their lunch last night. I love Shrake, dude. I love you, man. The um, They did just flip the switch, though, against the Vikings. You see like almost Lamar flip the switch in these games that you're talking about just playing catch-up in, and it's almost like what the Chiefs looked like a few years ago where you're just waiting yes. for the Chiefs to turn it on almost, and then all of a sudden one game out of nowhere, it doesn't happen. And then all, you know, conversation starts. But the Dolphins fans out there would like you a little bit more respect potentially for the Dolphin. But I, I hope I hope we get a chance. I hope the Ravens come back even better. Because watching them go when they're when Lamar is going, oh it is so awesome. It's to funny, watch. you know, last night it, it just wasn't going. And you know, they came back from double digits against the Colts, against the Chiefs, and of course against the Vikings. But last night, what we saw, that was kind of the playoff game against the Bills, where you're, like, waiting for it to click, and it just never clicked. And that's what scares you about the Ravens. They can win a lot of these regular season games. They can go up and down the field. But when a really good defense comes and starts hitting them, they don't have necessarily the skill position players at wide receiver to break one. They don't necessarily have the offense that's going to just go lights out and make it happen. They rely a lot on Lamar's legs and a lot of just – hoping and wishing that the defense gets takeaways. When those don't happen, Ravens could be in trouble. This is exactly like the Pat Beeline, or is that his name? Coach? Mm-hmm. No. John. John. John, John Beeline. Beeline. This is the John Beeline. West Be- Virginia Hoops? Yes. We were awesome. I was Gansey, Pitsnoggle, who else? Beeline, little Beeline, baby what? Beeline. What? I mean, that what? crew, yeah. What? I got a chance to witness that crew because it was during the same run that we had for football. And think about that era in Morgantown, West Virginia. Basketball team was going to Elite Eights and things like that. And the football team was playing in BCS Bowls. I mean, we had a lot of fun. We had a, <laughs> we, there was a lot of couches and celebrations that were had and burned down, but it was a blast there. But that- Pat, can I tell you something? Yeah. I had one of my best friends from high school, also named Pat, also Italian, Patrick Russanello, went to West Virginia. I went every year, I would go visit Patrick Russanello at West Virginia, and I would say some of the greatest nights of my life partying were had in Morgantown, West Virginia. So I think I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, West Virginia, Morgantown was kind of like South Harmon Institute of Technology. I mean, it was a good time. All right, it was a good time. A lot of people end up not making it because of academically it is tough to keep up with the books as it is with the social life because everybody seems to have the same mindset every single night. But that basketball team, all they hit was threes, right? And when Pitsnoggle was hot and when Gansey was hot and when they were rolling, we'd win. And then you run into one game where it seemed like the hoop was just a little bit smaller and it was over. And it was like, I feel like that is what it is whenever, you know, you rely all on Lamar, basically. You get to a game somewhere where they're going to be able to stop it. How can you adjust? They'll have to continue to do that. They won a playoff game last year, too. They're taking another step. I, I hope to see the Baltimore Ravens bounce back after a short week. Uh, go ahead, Todd. Shrags, great to see you. Always a real treat when you're on the program. Uh, but let's get serious. 
how's the chemistry test going on Good Morning Football? I mean, we got the rotating seat there. You've had you know a bunch of different people on so far this year. Are we going to keep doing the rotating cast, or are you guys going to hone in on someone? We saw Mangold with the backwards hat on today. He was awesome. Uh, what can we expect? Yeah, it's been cool because we've got like Hall of Famer Chris Carter, and then we've got you know guys like LaShawn McCoy who are fresh off the field, and then today we had Nick Mangold who was awesome. I kind of like it. Like, I kind of like having a different ex-player in that seat every single week and every single, uh, it's a little more difficult as far as chemistry goes, but okay, Kyle and I, we're going to be okay and we're going to do our best. But if you watch our show, like, it's not, all right, here's the story that we've heard. It's, it's kind of cool to kind of bounce off ideas. And like LaShawn McCoy was on earlier this week and played for the Bucks last year. So we're talking Brady. What's he bring? Oh. He's also, you know, it's all that stuff. Oh, so yeah. you bounce off different guys and, and gals. And next week we've got a pretty yeah. – <laughs> cool slate of, of guest hosts one of them i think i can say this we've got ex-army trooper nate boyer coming in comes in and he was obviously with the university of texas served in the military and then was a long snapper uh in practice for for the seahawks and comes in with a totally different perspective here's a guy who has a whole other walk of life so i like that it's neat i don't know if we're going to be picking a full-time host anytime soon because i think we're kind of gelling with rotating host so you're gonna have to give every one of them an emmy when you inevitably win that, that'll be that'll go out of the budget that'll go out of the budget you guys get two there um i think he's a green beret isn't he? Nate yeah, he is yeah, green beret, beret i believe yeah he was on the show i can't wait to see how you guys continue to go let's talk about a guy maybe it should be a guest host though let's talk about maybe you guys should get in there you guys had a little tryout he called in from his bedroom or wherever it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ha- how come we don't do more Brett Michaels on Good Morning Football? Wow, wasn't he good? Oh, Unreal. he's always good. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. We fucking love Brett Michaels around here, dude. I saw the ticker on your show. I was watching, I guess, Wednesday, and it was like, we are not here for any Brett Michaels slander. And I am with you. Thank you. Bro, he was cool as shit. He's Brett Michaels. He's the man. And then, like, new football. And new football really well. He's talking about Mechanicsburg, PA, and how he played there. But then he starts talking about, like, the intricacies of what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing on defense. And, hey, if Cam Hayward's going one way, let's see how we can utilize it. He was really good, really cool. And the coolest part about it, they are going on tour with, like, Poison. Stadium. Obviously them. Yeah. But Motley Motley Crue. Hell, yeah. They're going on uh, Joan Jett. They're going out with another band. I forget who You're it going was. On Someone stage, else awesome. Def Leppard. And what? they're all going on tour. And he's like, if we go on tour, I'm not kidding. I want you backstage. I've never been backstage. Not backstage. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Not, not backstage. On stage. Hell he yeah. said on stage. On stage. Yeah. On stage. You're going to kill it. Yes. Will you come? No, no, no. This is secondhand invitation. I, I, it seems like that concert would be electrifying, uh, just like Brett Michaels always is, just like you are every single morning on Good Morning Football. We appreciate you. That Wall Streeters bit this morning was incredible commitment to a bit that ended up being very fruitful. That was awesome. Thank you. I made up a little brother of mine, Jagger, who TikToks all day at all the games, oh. and like I've had to have a couple talks with him, and that's maybe why the Chiefs aren't doing so well, that Mahomes maybe needs to talk to little bro. And yeah, I said, I talked to Jagger. I said him straight. You know, That's what I just suggested. That well, was yeah, we, we think there's a lot of that that potentially rings very true. And mm-hmm. you know, comedy is also 
uh, the best form of like, hey, just a heads up, this is what the world's thinking. And I think we're all on the same page there. So thank you for beautifully illustrating that. Hopefully we can get the Chiefs back. Hopefully the Ravens are back. But what we do know is the Rams need to win a Super Bowl right now because Stan Kroenke's going all in because he owns St. Louis $4 billion. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning football host, Fox Insider, co-host of Flying Coach with Sean McVay. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Schrager. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you, Shrakes. Thank you, dude. So LaFleur can't pick up a phone and FaceTime? Well, yeah, I don't well, know if I well, What the fuck? Well, well, well. I mean, Does Aaron Rodgers even like, have saw, any support in that, that building? Nah, it sounds like Triggs was pulling strings Bull. the whole fucking oh, time. Oh, hey, oh, hey, wow. hey, nobody, nobody was saying anything to me. Maybe I reached out to Odell and said, Sean, hey, we can get this done. I mean, come on, Triggs. Sounds like the Packers are like, let's put an empty offer in just so we can appease the yeah. fan base and our quarterback. Yeah, and just say, hey, we tried. Hey, right, we gave it go. And Triggs comes on this show and he's like, they, they didn't. Hey, they did not try. And then, listen, I don't know how many reports from Schultz's reports we can treat as legitimate reports as his reports mm-hmm. continue to be more reports about not being right about the first report. Uh-huh. Right. But I think Schultz is so dialed in, he literally rode that wave the entire time. I think so, too. But when he said that Green Bay was his preferred destination, mm-hmm. and then there was more conversation about, like, uh, they didn't really go all in. Is that, you know, McVay going all in, recruiting? Jalen Ramsey, bringing them into the wide receiver room. Probably like, hey, this is Matt Stafford, dude. Let me tell you what Matt Stafford does. He slings the rock all over the yard this way. And then Jalen Ramsey walks him into Sean McVay's office. And then he, what, he takes him over to the beach where L.A. is. Oh. And then he maybe goes on Zillow and brings up Odell's house in L.A. And he's like, look, you, you could already live right here. Is, that what, is Jalen Ramsey the piece that tied this whole thing together who quote tweeted Josiah Johnson's clip and then basically said, yeah, we're, we will pick his ass up at the airport. And how come that didn't happen anywhere else? We will find out. Well, I mean, they offer him up to four and a half million dollars. The Packers were never going to do that. I mean, it makes sense. Odell wants the bright lights, the fast cars. Of course. Hey, let me post with LeBron on Instagram this weekend. This is LeBron again. He wants all that mumbo jumbo. If he wanted to just win football games, he would have come to Green Bay. He would have done his time. He would have taken a team-friendly deal, a very, very inexpensive deal. He would have shown that he can still be that number one guy. And then he number one guy over Devontae. Oh wow! Now you're taking shots at Devontae. Look at the guy with. The glasses, seven sizes too small, yeah. even just caught you. That I was absurd know. what you two did. But no, hey, Shrinks, let's get serious. It was the time. Way. They had yeah. a massive loss. We had to get serious. And it really feels like LaFire's seat should be pretty hot right pretty now. Pretty hot. Yeah, what's this all about? Actually, I, it was funny, too, because they popped up. I think it was on Good Morning Football, the uh, coach of the year um, odds this year. Uh-huh. LaFleur, you know, he, he's won, like, the most games in his first 45 uh games of any coach in his career. No one respects the guy with the shit anyway. It makes no sense. He's never getting coach of the year votes. But he took it. He took it. On, he's going to take it on shins because of what happened with Jordan Love. For sure. For sure. He's below Big Mike. But, but who cares? He just wins. Get Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy was above. Oh, yeah. Come on! That's what happens when you wear glasses Mike that are for children. Mike McCarthy was above LaFleur. Is it your brain or the glasses? What is that? Is your brain too big? Glasses too small? Oh, Brain's right. definitely not too big. I think it's more so my ears have been kind of acting weird lately, and these Me things too. won't hook around them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Did your ears move further back? I in don't your head? know. Those glasses are just not the right size. No. I think they're for like Build a Bear, but I, I really <laughs> love them. How about you dropping those on Treg's face, by the way? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was time to get serious. The Rams did not look good last week. 
Uh, LaFleur gets no respect. I did not know that big Mike McCarthy was there. That's probably because they think the Cowboys are going to go on a greater run, just like everybody did last week. The Cowboys were the number one team in the NFL over everybody else. And then Aaron Rodgers is out because of COVID. Jordan Love's in there. They do not look good at all. And everybody goes, well, LaFleur can't coach for shit. So does that mean you're complimenting Aaron Rodgers then at the same time as burying Aaron Rodgers? So you can't kind of have it both ways there somebody should get credit at some point for something i guess yeah for sure but uh, again with like the odell stuff like when i when i saw how much he could potentially make with the rams like yeah of course he wants to live how come in LA. they can pay everybody that's what i don't understand Tony, how come they how come old tony contracts oh. and mikey greenberg down there in tampa mm-hmm. have this ability to hey, keep the guy on your particular plate we're gonna take this gobble over here and we're gonna move this particular gobble set on to next year and the year after that in a bonus that is team oriented that is only it's only an eight week or nine week deal but somehow there's a bonus that doesn't attach to that then how will they spread that out does that go to the next team how how does any of it work and why isn't everybody doing it tone just like everyone else at some point the bell will toll for thee oh and there will be a time period where they will be the worst team in the nfl by far but right now they're going all in to win and you got to respect it i honestly and i mentioned it to shrags there this cronky st louis thing it's an arms race i think is having a much larger effect on how Kroenke is treating the Rams right now mm. than maybe previously talked about. Because allegedly Kroenke offered $100 million to the St. Louis Sports, Sports Authority. Co- yeah, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Whatever it is, the group of people that are currently suing Stan Kroenke because they believe a deal was made to build a new stadium. And once the Raiders were potentially going to go to L.A., Something happened worse. This is all alleged, by the way, and there's billions of dollars at stake, so I should not be even speaking about this. This is one of those things where if you don't know enough about it, you should uh, not talk about it. But it seems to happen all the time with people who have microphones. So Mm -hmm. allegedly, the St. Louis Sports Authority Group, which I believe is just a collection of the most powerful people in the city. There's one here in Indy. I don't know all the people, but it seems to be the most powerful people in the city are in here. They thought a deal was made with Stan to stay in St. Louis, build a new stadium, and move forward. Allegedly. Stan Kroenke said, okay, deal. And then all of a sudden, some motives, which are potentially in the emails, that are 650,000 emails, allegedly, potentially in there, a collusion to say, no, no, we got to get the Rams back in L.A. Let's move the Raiders to Vegas. So the deal that the St. Louis people are saying was a done deal, Kroenke somehow did not see that as the case, leaves. Now an actual lawsuit is happening, and it seems to be continuing and continuing. So you would assume that if it's continuing with the NFL involved in it, that means there has to be some sort of reason why St. Louis is continuing to win the conversation or not taking a $100 million buyout. And it's becoming a conversation piece now in that one per club meeting allegedly was a lot about how most of the owners are not happy with Kroenke bringing them into this financial mess. But then there's other owners allegedly that are on his side because they're potentially a part of the entire idea. It is a massive story that might end with St. Louis getting an NFL team again. So congrats to... That entire, because that's billions of dollars you get an NFL team. And I know it costs money to the taxpayers, but the city is a completely new city. And St. Louis is an incredible football city. But I think the fact that Kroenke thought he was building 
a $2 billion <laughs> stadium that ended up being like a 5 or $6 billion <laughs> yeah. stadium. Yep. Now he's probably going to have to pay a shit ton of money in lawyer fees and a settlement to St. Louis. He owns the Avalanche and a soccer team over there. And I think he very much understands that if you zoom out and you go from a high level, which is how the corporate people speak, if you go from a high level and you look down at it, you win the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, you cement fans from babies all the way through maybe uh, 20-plus-year-olds for probably forever. Yeah, You're going to have fan bases there. And Kroenke is thinking the Chargers don't sell nearly as many tickets as we do in the stadium that I built. If we could win this thing, we become L.A.'s team in the long run. And what does that bring, old Stan? That brings old Stan and his um, – his uh, estate, which uh-huh, is attached yeah. to the Walmart yeah, estate, very wealthy yeah, exactly. wife. that brings them so much money just strictly off of building a brand new brand that they invested heavily in and going all in. And I think that's why Sean McVay knows that he can go, hey, we can just do this, 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 and this, right? And Kroenke's like, yes, we need to win right now because I think it's a much larger story, especially with how much money Kroenke just throws everywhere, it seems like. Very important that they win the division this year, too, because if they don't, they're going to end up having to potentially go either, like, you know, to Green Bay or to Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. Like, you... Hey. They want want to make sure they win the division, so this makes sense. Aaron Donald, Pittsburgh. That's right. Matthew Stafford... Detroit. Ooh. Ain't worried about no fucking cold weather. Mm-hmm. Well, that gone. Los Angeles team might be glitz and glamour, but they'll travel. That didn't last year in the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. That was what Jared Goff he benched yeah. him to. A little right. different. And yeah. Stafford, you know, he's lost a lot of games at Lambeau. Whoa! Oh, a lot he, of games. Hey, last time I saw him play, yeah, he won. Last time I saw him in person, it was like 55 nothing or something. Yeah, he won. Who wasn't playing in that one? Let's not forget, he's wow. a Georgia boy. Mr. Rock. Yeah, that's right. A long time. Now he's a Texas boy. Texas. Yeah. Who played in a dome for a long time? Come on. Went to Georgia. <laughs> now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> oh here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction. So let's go back a sentence or two. Okay. Okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes. And guess what? Ha! Huh. Last a long time. Bangin' up, bangin' up, bangin' up. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's oh, right. Dingers. Round time. Bingo. Occup- er, population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? 
the shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yeah, medication. F- free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Let's pick the entire slate, shall we? And the reason why I rode my bike is because I'm about to ride right past you in the rankings. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to... Excuse me, Hawk. I got games to pick, pal. Let's start with Jags and Colts. I got Jacksonville, minus 10 and a half, plus 10 and a half. You... I mean, we'll have to look at the tape, but I think you said Jacksonville minus 10 and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to have to... I don't have to be a stickler for the rules, but it seems like that's a new thing in this entire thing. Okay, whatever whatever you need to do, but I'm taking the Jaguars plus 10 and a half. Okay, give me the Colts. Wow. There you go. What's up? That's a lot Are of you points. swinging the baby that's hammer? a lot of points. Yeah, but Carson with his... Carson, with Jonathan Taylor. His kid coming yeah. in. They just had that Super Bowl against the Bills. Uh-huh. Yeah, Carson's playing yep. with kid coming or not. That's right. Give me the Colts minus ten and a half. This one's for Carson's kid. Yep. They're gonna say go Duke Colt Bob Duke Bobcat. Duke. Hey, let's go to Duke Bobcat. <laughs> this one's for Duke Bobcat Wentz. All right, they're gonna let's win by eleven. That's what they're gonna let's say. Let's go. That's what they're gonna do. Let's move on to the next one. That's a lot of time for a Jacksonville game we just spent there. Cleveland <laughs> and New England. Two and a half in Foxborough is what the Browns are getting served for Week Ten Sunday. This one's a little bit more difficult for me. I'm gonna, you know what? I got Patriots here. We don't want you. No Chubb. No Chubb, right? Uh, he has not reported to the facility at all yeah. yet. Tomorrow so. to, at four is the deadline. This so, is rude. Chubb's not playing. I'd like New England. Chubb's playing. I'd like Cleveland. Whoa. Demetrius Miles Garrett will be playing, back. right? I saw him running one on ones with Jadavian Clowney earlier. So, would you like the same stipulation or no? Yeah, if Chubb is playing, I would take the Browns. If he's not, I'll take the Patriots. Okay, cool. look what we just did right there. Okay. Okay, there's no rule hey, set against it. Mm-hmm. Pending Chubb asterisks. Pending uh-huh. potential <laughs> Chubb. Okay. Pending not, Chubby. Yeah, never mind. Well, you know, sometimes Chubb pop Next up one. out of nowhere. This out of nowhere. This one yeah, we Do not turn find. around. Do not turn around. If just it tuck does. it. Because if he's running hard. I'm not. Listen, we already <laughs> disinfected your. <laughs> yeah. Chubb. Let's I'm go to the just next looking one. out for whoever's back. This is going to take 10 hours to do. Falcons <laughs> versus Cowboys. Falcons getting nine points going into Dallas. And we know that Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones are having their weekly strategy meeting on how the Cowboys will take on the Falcons at home. And Jerry said, hey, how about this week we hit the fucking watermelons? <laughs> Because of what happened with Denver last week. And Mike said, hey, Big Jer, I'll go get those watermelons. I like the Cowboys at home here against the Falcons. Give me them minus nine, AJ. Yeah, I like the Cowboys at minus nine as well. To be honest, I'm potentially I think it's a bit high, myself. Though. I think that line's a bit high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Like, I really like the Falcons, but I feel like they want us to take the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And now I'm fading myself. And this is not good because we still got nine more weeks of this. <laughs> so I'm going to have to find a way to get out of there. But I like the Cowboys as well because it feels like I'm supposed to take the Falcons on this one with how it's going. So I'm just going to try to, you know, bet the line here. Let's go. Bills, Jets, 12 points. Bills potentially going into MetLife and making up for the shitty pants that they had last week against Jacksonville. Your thoughts? 
Um, I got to take Buffalo. My, is it minus 12? Yep. Is that, that high? Yeah, and I hate to do this, but I'm taking the Jets and Mike White. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yep. Okay. As long as like Mike that. White doesn't ha- – Bills can still win by 10. That's a lot. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Bills could still win by 10, which I don't know if I won. Or they could win by 31. Yeah, they could. By the way, the Bills have proven that they do that in the past after a loss. They had lost to the Steelers first week, and then they went on mm-hmm. to just absolutely motorboat team. Oh, and Mike White. Mike White. He said that he should have been number one overall pick They're after a game in a mm-hmm. quarter. Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. Who we're betting Mike on? We're betting on the flyer, right? Who's uh, calling the shots with Mike White? Up in the booth. Now. And Bob Sala, passionate back, oh, maybe. Yeah. I'll give me, give me the Bills minus the Wolf. Oh, okay, that's me, me too. Give me the Bills minus the Wolf. I'm going to hate that. Give me the Jets plus 12. Let's okay. go. I'll tell you the Back. Jets plus 12. And that's a sharp do 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 That feels like a sharp do 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 That feels like a sharp do 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 Am I a sharp? Saints getting two and a half going to Nashville against Adrian Peterson, Ryan Tannehill, and the Titans. Thought the spread would be higher on this. I like the Titans. Kamara seems to be ah. Yeah. Give me the Titans. Let's move on to the next one. Let's not even overthink it. And they'll probably change that line. We got it at two and a half still. Bucks, Washington. Washington getting nine and a half at home against... Another team coming out of a bye week. The Bucks are with that. I think A.B., Gronk, Godwin's going to play, but he's been injured. They still got Evans, I guess. But that whole team is a little bit banged up and did not get healthier coming out of the bye week somehow. Yeah, I still I think I have to lean uh, towards the Bucks here and take them. Me too. Really? Are we picking the same every time? Have we picked against each other yet? This is yeah. one of those weeks, though, where there's the, all the, the lines are huge. Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, there's only one game under two. Um, Lions Steelers, eight and a half. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Nick will be at this game in Pittsburgh, so that is something to keep in mind uh, whenever you're picking this game. Uh, Motor City, Dan Campbell is going to be a larger part of the offensive strategery. Hell yeah. I hope um, Sheila Ford Hamp <laughs> is involved, just like Jerry Jones is as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Detroit getting over a touchdown in Pittsburgh. Well, Evie. I'm sticking with you today, buddy. I'm taking the Lions here. All right. Fool. Give me the Steelers because the Lions is the Lions. Hell yeah. I'm sorry, AJ, but I don't think the 0-8 Lions have any chance against the Steelers. Oh, handicapping. I'm expecting the Steelers to win by at least 30 points. Okay, and Steelers fans are scared to death. You think the Steelers are going to score 30 points? No. no. I haven't yet this year. Listen, the Steelers fans are scared. Look at that. Diggs is is scared to death of this weekend. I don't understand why. It's the 0-8 Lions, boys. (laughs) They're going to crush them. Look at this guy. Right yeah, you see what Foxy's doing. Foxy's trying to get Foxy. his Foxy jinx on this thing uh-huh. somehow. Even though he doesn't believe in it, it's not magic or whatever. I got the Steelers then. I'll take the Steelers just because it feels like everybody in here is so against them. And Dick's one of the best gamblers of all time. No, no, no. Pat, you know what I'll do? If, if the Steelers lose or even if they don't cover and they make you look bad with your prediction here, I will take that blame upon myself. We can put it on the Nick Mush being in the building. We won't put it on the players because I don't need to see those guys out there working hard critiqued like that. Put that on me. I'll wear it. That's very, wow. Hey, good guy. That's a good guy right good there. Good guy. Belt. Thank you, Nick. With that being said, I will take the Lions. Wow! (laughs) I'm sticking on the Steelers. I'm staying on the Steelers. uh, Hawks got the Lions, though. I'll take the eight and a half. I need you to will them boys to a nine-point victory in there, Nick. Let's go to Vikings-Chargers. Vikings getting three, going to L.A. Obviously, a lot going on off the field for Dalvin Cook in the Vikings this week. Chargers always quiet, under the radar, every single week. How do you feel this one goes in so far? 
Yeah, right. The Chargers definitely are, seem to have been to have been flying under the radar, but I like the Chargers here. What minus three? Mm-hmm. Is that right? The Chargers yeah. have been bad. Yeah. Give them to me. That it's three. Yeah, the Chargers have been bad. Like they actually yeah. squeezed by squeezed the by the Eagles. Like bad. In the Baltimore Vikings game last week was a knockdown mm-hmm. drag out. How many times am I going to believe in the Chargers and Justin Herbert? Just like last year, how many times did I believe in the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray? Well, I let Justin Herbert in Week 10 break my heart yet. I will. Give me the fucking Chargers. But I want to let everybody – he's on my notice. That Uh team's on my notice. Mm -hmm. They might be the unfuckwithable game of the week. Okay. I don't think a Vikings game has been decided – by more than seven points, I think, all year. Yeah, they lose a lot of close games and choke in a lot of them as well. So I think I got this one actually at two and a half. Oh, yeah, so that's right. I got the Chargers <laughs> sure. two and a half. Okay. So then I have them at minus two and a half too? No. Well, you got When did you get it? Same time you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got it at minus three then, I guess. I, I don't you know. bought a half a point. Yeah, I mean, I I ch- I will only take a point seven five here on this one. Okay, of a point. <laughs> that's big. Right, I'll, right. I'll take point seven four then. Oh, that's very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll both get minus two and a half. Yep, there. yep. I like what we're doing here. You know what I mean? We can even put a couple together. We'll start teasing these things. But we bought it two and a half. If you could get it two and a half, we would recommend you do it as well. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, Panthers, Cardinals, Cardinals. They just beat the shit out of the Niners with Niners having their best player come back with no quarterback, no wide receiver, and all of a sudden James Conner is an absolute beast. What's that spread right there for the Cardinals? Cards minus 10. It's 10 and a half now. Yeah, Cardinals minus 10 and a half, not plus 10 and a half. Uh, Dirty got a little excited. You know, Cam Newton's back, but he's not playing this week. Cardinals minus 10 going to Carolina. At home. Oh, Cardinals at home? Okay, at home against Carolina. 30. What the what fuck? Who's, who's Carolina's quarterback this what week? The Damn. Uh, PJ Walker on his head. I, th- I don't like this line being that big, but I'll take the Cardinals. Give me the Panthers. Wow. Is Cam going to be dressed? He's at practice today. He, he, ha- he has to, right? He's the backup. One, one pinky. Barkley. If he's the backup, he's getting in the game. One pinky, one finger, one thumb. All love. Saw Cam Newton do this. Oh, in yeah. The golf cart. Give me the Panthers. I like the Panthers. Barkley might be the backup also. Let's go um, Seahawks Packers, three and a half. Packers at home, offense being introduced. We learned that the other day. What will the energy be like in Lambeau, A.J. Hawk? I think it's going to be a very exciting environment, but I think Russ coming back, it's going to be tough. What, his finger is going to be probably 30-some degrees, maybe windy, little rain. Hopefully he wears double gloves to give him some grip, but I think Aaron and the Packers – figure this out oh is this scorched earth aaron yes it is oh yeah give me that guy okay yep. gets everybody yep. hope his heart's okay have we found out if he's gonna play or not have you have you texted with him to see if he's healthy enough i don't know i mean tomorrow's the day he checks out right yeah tomorrow yeah but is he running any two minute drills in the backyard in the living Ooh. room and in the, in the kitchen I'm sure he is yeah i'm sure he's been ramping up as the week has gone how's the heart do you know his heart good is he he's still alive i think his heart's fine he's probably worried about thinking like the lactic acid you'd have built up along with covid he's probably didn't want to be too fatigued well that's what i'm saying is he running around the house yeah. like a mile in Answer. mile out uh-huh. i saw a video of diddy uh running from one end of his house to the other, it was a mile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd assume what Aaron's got in Green Bay, I think that's probably a two-mile trip. He can mm-hmm. maybe hit a, a mini marathon a couple of times. That'd be nice. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, we both got the Packers. Eagles, Broncos, two and a half. Uh, I like the Broncos. 
Um, okay, give me the Broncos as well. I hope the Eagles win, though, because I'd like to hear Coach Sirianni. Uh-huh. And then Chiefs, Raiders, two and a half here. Chiefs all out of sorts. Raiders lose a game, but Coach Bisaccia is still leading the way over there. It doesn't matter. Chiefs for me. I, I, if it's only two and a half, like I, I have to take that. Yeah, Chiefs are going to wake up at some point. We'll see how it goes. A real caveman of a human. Uh-huh. Rocks for brains, but a football <laughs> IQ yep. through the roof. All-time leading tackler for the Green Bay Packers, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hawk. Yeah! What's up, dude? What's up, fellas? Happy Friday. Uh, happy Friday to you. It's been a hell of a week, hasn't it? Yeah, about like any other any other week, really, hasn't oh, it? Oh, no, you got Chuck Berry's name all over the TV every single week because yeah, of huh? the decision that you made. Uh, obviously, I hope his family is happy that we can keep him alive a little bit. Well, yeah. I'm happy you're keeping him alive in this particular fashion. His music, person. you know. Yeah, absolutely, his yeah. music, absolutely. Speaks for itself. But that's not what you were pushing on me originally. Whenever no. we first met, literally the first time we hung out face to face, is hey, hey, shove it in. Look at yeah, this. Check it out. You ever seen this before? Yeah, 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 no, yeah. you mean I was on iTunes? I said, hey, listen to this. You've never heard Chuck Berry. That's no, no, you had a cigar that was the size yeah. of this whistle tip yeah. football. Yeah. Okay, and it was the fifth one of the day, and then you <laughs> walked over and shoved this thing right into my face. I'm like, gee, what is wrong with you? But nonetheless, it's been a fun week, and I'm thankful you're here on this. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's very uh, – the NFL season has been so predictable, especially these last few weeks. Last night went exactly as I thought, too. So, yeah, we're, we're looking good for the weekend. Okay, let's get right into it. You and I last night, uh, we started Week 10 completely defeated. The hammered down Cowboys, though, completely undefeated. Should have known, you know, that they were potentially going to go directly against me because <laughs> a part of gambling is realizing who to fade at proper times. And I might be that person for people right now, and if that's the case, I – appreciate the fact that I am contributing to your success. That's what it's all about. But I kind of bullied you, I think, into taking the Ravens minus seven and a half. You had second thoughts. I was like, no, nah, come on, come on, come on. That did not happen at all. I mean, it, it was, there was never a moment where anybody thought, you know what? Ravens are dominating this game. Yeah. Even when Robert Hunt was catching a pass illegally and somehow the refs didn't blow it dead immediately upon the completion. They let that entire thing run out. He makes one of the greatest big body plays in the history of football, scores a touchdown. The refs spot that wrong. So they get the ball spot wrong on a play that shouldn't have even happened that they should have blown dead immediately. They somehow get two things wrong on one play. That is not the depiction of all the refs all the time, but that is a great picture of why people get pissed off about officiating every once in a while. They had an after-the-discussion situation where somebody in their ear was like, nah, nah, that ain't right, move on. I love that. I think that's getting better. But last night went nothing like what we thought it was going to, AJ, I don't think. Why is that? Is it because of the corner blitz the cover zero was it the situation what do you think well i know they've i'm sure you guys have talked about they said the dolphins what blitz more dbs i guess than anyone has done in a long time this year or like for a long time since 2016 yes. jeez okay so i mean the credit to the guys in the back end that were, were hung out to dry that that covered when you do that the people that are staying in coverage it's on them you know you got to do your job and so they did their job and and the guys blitzing didn't give Lamar enough time to really bounce around and keep his eyes downfield and really, really get anything going. Didn't they have eight straight punts in the first half? Eight punts. I don't know if it was in a straight half or in the or first half or in the entire game. Eight punts is the most punts this season, I believe, uh, for any team. And I think that was Sam Cook. Anytime you're cracking into the seven, eight, nine, or even ten. 
Uh, that's when you know offense is doing it. Offense, yeah. offense doing it. We're not turning the ball over, though. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a uh, – it's one of those situations. But whenever you think about that cover zero blitz, and Orshlovsky, obviously this morning, said that this happened to them in week three against – The Bengals. The Bengals. When the Bengals – this is something that happened in week three. Now it happened on Thursday Night Football in prime time when everybody's watching the game. This is what they're going to face every single week going forward. This is the kryptonite – potentially to the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. How come that didn't happen week four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine then, if that is the kryptonite? And is this something you think the Baltimore Ravens can easily defeat, or is this potentially actual kryptonite, you think, for this Baltimore Ravens team that I had very high hopes for this season? Now, it's something that they can figure out, that they can get over. Other teams, you can't always do it because it's super risky. I mean, like I said before, everyone, you better get home. Your blitzers better get home, and your guys in the back end are going to have to cover for a long time. Like, it's just... You're, yeah, you may get a sack, and you're also going to give up a game-changing play 70 yards over the top. And so anytime it happens to a D coordinator, he's a little reluctant to call it again, I think. Um, it's just blitzing somebody that's as potentially close to as fast as Lamar makes sense. Yeah. Right? Hollywood Vaughn, this Hollywood Vaughn guy who I guess hadn't seen the field much until last night, and then B-Flow was like, hey, this is what you're going to do, and this is how we're going to operate. What, is that a new style of defense that maybe just becomes something? Is that what the Dolphins have been doing? Is, is that the thought, or they'll just every week? He's a rookie out of Oregon. He's never blitzed like that, though. He got his first interception last week, but he's he was actually a really good draft pick. Is that normal? Hey, congrats, by the way, Donner. Hey, yeah. Up. Is that normal blitzing safeties and corners? Uh, I, the corner blitz is electrifying, you know, because on TV you kind of see it. It's kind of creeping in. And then you got to assume that either the running back or the tight end or the line can see it. It's always a roll of the dice. If you have a great corner that can get, you run that, right? I mean, you run that until you, you don't have to anymore? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you maybe the, the corner to the boundary, he has less uh, area to cover to get to the quarterback. But when you're blitzing Lamar, even as your corner, you even if you're scot free and you take him by surprise, good luck getting him on the ground. A lot of guys can't get him on the ground. And it might have been slick last night. It might have been the weather. It might have been the South Florida flu with Tootsie's right around the corner. It could have been a lot of things. We'll have to just kind of watch the season unfold. Joining us now to chit chat about this and more, NFL Network analyst, Jacksonville Jaguar legend. NFL icon, ladies and gentlemen, Maurice Jones-Drew. Yeah! MJD, what's up? I see you with the leather seats living well. No, listen, I'm trying to figure out how to make this work. Okay, there we go. Now, this is, hey, this is my everyday, my F-150, Pat. Oh, hey, hey, I got an F-150, too. Hey, I like getting in the truck, you know, going to work. Ain't that right, MJD? Ain't nothing like it. Ain't nothing like it. Uh, last night, did you watch the game? I assume you did. The cover zero blitzes that I think everybody, Dan Orslovsky has deemed the <laughs> kryptonite to the Baltimore Ravens and to Lamar Jackson. Uh, on how that entire game ended up, what are your thoughts for the run-heavy Baltimore Ravens potentially being figured out? I don't think it was figured out. I, that, that, the Miami Dolphins did the same thing to the Los Angeles Rams last year when they had Jared Goff, right? And Jared couldn't figure out the blitz. If you don't prep for it and and AJ knows this and and obviously Pat you know this as well in your preparation throughout the week you have to have a plan for cover zero and that type of blitz I don't know right you have to be able to say if we get this these are these are our adjustments it's hard to make those adjustments on the fly because you don't get those reps of maybe we're going to run a receiver screen or maybe we're going to do a quarterback draw or maybe we're going to run into it right so if you don't have those adjustments throughout the week and you don't practice those throughout the week it's hard to make those on the fly and they tried to make some adjustments uh, they did the simple stuff of 
you know, we're going to throw a quick out or, hey, we're going to throw a receiver screen. But you saw Lamar was hesitant on those, right? He was hesitant early in the game. And so to me, you just have to have a full game plan when you're playing the Dolphins and being prepared for that cover zero blitz. Hey, Maurice, what, what was it like? We always hear commentators talk about, oh, the running backs transitioning from college to the NFL. Yeah, they can run the ball, but it's can you trust them in protection? Can they pick up like the pass blocking scheme? What's that? What is that big difference they always talk about? How hard is it? Well, I think now it's much harder uh, than when we were coming out, right? So I was coached by Eric Bieniemy um, at UCLA, and if he told me as a 17 year old freshman, if you can't block, you can't play. Period. Point blank. So. You got to think, I'm going into UCLA trying to find ways to get on the field. If it was special teams, I figured I'll just block, right? I'll understand the protection. I'll understand my guy. Now with college, they run this spread offense where these kids don't know much of what's going on. They don't understand two-jet protection or three-jet protection or if it's a man protection or a slide protection. Or do you have a full scan where you have all the secondary? Do you have a half scan, right? So there's so many different things that coaches now have to really teach uh, in the game. And, and so when you bring that zero pressure that we were just talking about, if that guy has no idea of what zero pressure is coming from college, if he's never picked up a blitz in college, right, or he's been where a lot of the spread is like five receivers out, he's going to struggle with this. It's going to take some time. I struggled with it my first couple of years in college. Then once I got to the NFL, my my, you know, I was fine with it. But a lot of guys aren't getting that type of coaching in college so they're struggling a ton with it hey did you cobra strike huh you threw your head Ooh. in there mjd because you know no this is not a <laughs> shot it was a great thing you had great leverage i assume on a lot did you did you get in there or were you pancaking hey, folks pat so i'm gonna be honest with you. the only person i never really got a good hit on was gary brackett him and stephen tulloch because we're all the same size <laughs> we're all the same size Right. Uh, the, the guys like AJ and other taller backers, I could get underneath them. But when you were my size, it was, I was like, oh, this is one of those. Merriman. Like, look, you're looking in the mirror, right? You're looking in the mirror. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can get this dude. But <laughs> if they're bigger, taller dudes, the game of football is about leverage. I'm going to get underneath you. I'm 5'7", you know, 5'8 on a great day, you know. So I'm good. I was okay with that. Uh, but, yeah, Gary Brackett, Stephen Tulloch. They gave me issues multiple times. Gary Brackett, by the way, the first day I met him, you know, I was obviously because I mean I'm I'm looking down at this guy, right? Yeah. Like I I am I'm kind of looking down and I, my body I think bigger than him, and I shake it. He's so professional. He literally looked like if I had a black uncle, he would look like Gary Brackett, right? <laughs> like when I met him, I was like, "How you doing?" Because he's not built like yoked. His body isn't like that at all. And then you watch his preparation every single day, and then you watch like his instincts kick in. And then he was a walk on at Rutgers. He was a, a undrafted free agent to the Colts, and like that drive to just go and take over. He is one of the most fascinating teammates I've ever had in my life, just because of all the leadership qualities. As an undersized guy, not that you weren't, you use it, I think, to your advantage in this entire thing did it help did you realize and recognize like i have an advantage over people not just in blocking but in running getting lost and running people up you were the original bowling ball butcher knives mjd <laughs> like you were the original guy that just gave everybody trouble and you were getting to rock 40 times a fucking game it felt like hey pat this is the funny thing people act like i just became short right <laughs> like i like i was tall and i shrunk or something when i got to the league like i've been short my whole life so i already knew like, listen, if I were able to, if I was able to run a certain way, and I, uh, my grandmother put me in ballet when I was a kid, like, so I had great balance. Uh, I did gymnastics, so I had body control. So I knew 
going into the league, it wasn't much different than than what I've already been through, right? It wasn't much different from, you know, being able to take hits from bigger guys that weren't going to wrap up or if guys tried to go take my legs out, uh, being able to run through them. So uh, it, it was it was a lot of different things that went into play. But, like, I always tell people, I'm like, dude, like, I've been short forever. This is not new to me. This is, like, it's new to you because you probably haven't ran against or tackled a guy like me. But I've been short since I've been, what, eight, nine years old. I was never the biggest guy on the team, so – it worked out for me. Well, you're a legend, and uh, I remember watching you just dominate for a while as a fan and then experiencing it. It was just, hey, you're a really cool guy. We appreciate you joining us. Now you're a color commentator, obviously, for the Rams, and I feel like every time you come on, I have to ask you about the Jaguars, which I'm sure is not the most exciting existence, but right now as the color commentator for the Rams, another weapon has just been added to the Matthew Stafford stable. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Rams, I don't think anybody expected this. There was no reports of it. Now that you've got a chance to digest it a little bit, you'll be calling the games for them this season. What are your thoughts, and how does he fit in, you think? All right, well, first let me say this. You know, I believe the Jags are doing something well right now. We got our first win in London. We came back and just slapped the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right. Now, now the Colts are next. We're coming. Oh. Hey, hey, hey! Public, public push-ups, public push-ups. Five of them. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, public five push-ups. Let's go. All right, all right, perfect. All right, but with the with the Rams, so I'm I'm getting blown up from everyone because I, you know, I'm chilling. I'm not really. I'm minding my own business, and then everyone's texting me OBJ, and I'm like, I thought he was going to the Packers. Like, what are, what are the what are the the, the Rams need with OBJ? But this is the thing, LA is about stars, and if you haven't been to SoFi Stadium, if you haven't um, seeing this this stadium and the kind of what they're building, they want to build. They want to be a super team, but not just a super team like the Eagles were when they signed all those guys a couple of years ago, or the old Washington football team back when they were signing Albert Hanger to hundred million dollar deals. These dudes are taking pay cuts to come play with the Rams, right? Sean McVay has created a culture that people want to be around, and it's not just Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. It's Aaron Donald. There's Jalen Ramsey. Right, you have a bunch of young stars, young players who are playing lights out right now. Matthew Stafford can throw the ball to anyone, and they struggled against the Titans. I get it. The Titans came in there and they they beat them up a little bit. But if you add Odell Beckham, now you're adding a possible return guy. You're adding a guy who can come in and be that fourth receiver, third receiver when someone goes down. Now there is no real drop off, right? I mean, like they've just continued to add weapons. And then let's just say Von Miller decides to come off the bench this week or next week, and he's rushing the passer with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and Jalen Ramsey's covering your number one receiver. How are you going to stop that, right? And so they've done a great job of manipulating the cap and finding a way to get all these dudes on the team and, and still create a winning way. And so for me, listen, we welcome OBJ. I know he loves L.A. L.A. loves him. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great time to be a Rams fan for sure. Yeah, it is. What do you see his role? being there I, and I think you think he'll be okay if it is kind of a secondary role in some games he may not get a, few, a whole lot of targets and then all of a sudden he jumps out and he has eight for 120 like is that going to be his role I, I think it'll be more consistent um I think when Deshaun Jackson was there he was more utilized as a deep threat right OBJ is more of a route runner he fits kind of what they want to do he does have the ability to stretch the field if you need him to just like Robert Woods or Cooper Cup can but He'll fit into that route running life, that route running style where he can run, you know, running left, put his foot in the ground and break back right, right? With those routes that they love to run. Or uh, the other thing is, he's a really good run blocker. I don't know if you guys watched his tape. Like, I know his dad put like a videotape of him running wide open and stuff. I get that. But 
he he's gonna block safeties and he's gonna block linebackers. Like he's he's a complete player. He's not. Just hey, that never gets ball. talked about. Why does that ever? ever. Ne- why does that never get talked about? You are you just learning this from watching film, or have you always known this? I've, I've known this since he got in the league with the Giants. Like he was dominating. I, that's why I loved him. I'm like, not only is he a flashy guy that can catch the ball, but he goes in there and blocks safeties. He goes in there and blocks linebackers. He'll be the guy to sacrifice his body for the greater good of the team. And so for me, that's what the Rams, that's what they saw too. They're like, not only is he a phenomenal player with the ball in his hands, but what he does without the ball, right? And that to me, that's the most important thing when you're talking about an OBJ is that he does everything. And so I know they're excited to have him. I know they're going to find ways to get him going. I don't I don't agree with the that he was like a malcontent and those type of things. I've talked with people in the Cleveland organization. I don't think it was like that. I just thought it just didn't work out, right? And that's okay. It's okay for it just not to be a great fit, and you move on. And so for me, I think um, I think the Rams are they. You have to have a plan for them when you when you get them. Um, and whatever that plan is, expect to see that in the next couple of weeks. How about Jamar Chase does that? Jarvis Landry does that? Mm-hmm. That might be the LSU wide receiver code. Like, hey, we also body people too, you know? Because Jamar Chase, what was that a couple of weeks ago yeah, against Detroit? Yeah. Yep. He was running down the field, opening right. up for me. I mean, that was just awesome to see. And every time Odell Beckham Jr. gets called like a prima donna diva selfish guy, it never ever gets talked about about him blocking it. That's the first time I've heard that. I probably should have watched more film being. But I am a sports dude. That's mm-hmm. why I guess. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, MJD. Are there any uh, rookie or second-year running backs you've been especially kind of impressed with this year? Obviously, with Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris, there's a bunch of different guys who have kind of stepped up for their team. Uh, well, first I got to tell you, Jonathan Taylor, I was wrong, right? I, I had him as my sixth guy coming out of the draft. Wow. I, he was a really good player, but I thought Wisconsin, Wisconsin running backs, they run through holes that my, I could drive my truck through, right? So I don't <laughs> – I, I knock them down for that. I knock, They have such a great offensive line. I knock them down for that. But the fit for him going to the Colts has been perfect, oh, yeah. right? You see the, the way he's playing, the way he's running, the way they're leaning on him. I love that. Najee Harris is from my hometown here in the Bay Area. Gosh. Um, this is what they haven't you haven't seen with him yet. And I know, Pat, you're a Pittsburgh guy. He can run routes like a receiver. So when they start lining him about wide and you see him routing guys up eventually, that's coming too. Like, he is – I've coached against him in both seven-on-seven football and high school tackle football, a, a complete monster. Um, but there, I, mean, I think there's a lot of other guys. I, I mean, so, some of these young guys, I'm just trying to think of a couple as you guys put me on the spot. No, no, uh, no. You already nailed great. it. Jonathan Taylor being the greatest is cool with me. You, you, that's all you have well, to – Listen, this is the other thing. I think DeAndre Swift, if he was in a different situation, he'd probably be the best out of all of them. But he's in Detroit. No disrespect to Detroit, but that's quite a they're trying to do some. They're they're trying to bite kneecaps and stuff right now instead of get my dog the balls. So. <laughs> oh, Go ahead, Tom. I'm just saying. Um, so now, like with Odell coming to the Rams, do you have a problem, an issue with like the Rams not being able to run the ball? Do you think to go farther in the playoffs that they're going to have to start running the ball better? It's not. It's not that they're not running the ball um, well. It's that they're not consistently running the ball, right? Like you want to get when the Rams are doing their best, they run the ball thirty times a game, right? That opens up the play action pass. That does those different things. If you look at the Tennessee Titans, I think they might have ran it like twelve times, it, or it's, it's like twelve to fifteen times. It wasn't enough. They didn't run it enough, and so they have the guys to run it. They were breaking off runs against the Titans, but they pulled the ball. They were trying to throw the ball down the field because if you look at the Titans' DBs, they were playing undrafted guys, and and their fourth and fifth DB out there. So you 
you were like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, I just think they just got to be a little bit more consistent running the ball. Uh, Daryl Henderson's done a great job. They possibly can get Cam Akers back is with the rumor that's going around later in the year off that Achilles. Sony Michelle's been doing really well for him. You just got to be more consistent running the ball and using that play action pass to your advantage. I think you'll see the Rams make a run uh, late in the season. Hey, you mentioned uh, Eric Bieniemy being your uh, coach in college at UCLA. When are we going to see him finally get an opportunity to become a head coach in the NFL? And are you worried that the Chiefs struggling are going to set him back in that that whole get him in the rotation again? AJ, I don't, I don't listen. So this is the thing: he's Patrick Mahomes won the MVP with Bieniemy being the OC. They went to the Super Bowl. They went to the AFC Championship three times in a row and went to the Super Bowl back to back. And he still didn't get a job. So maybe they need to struggle in order for him to get a job, right? Like maybe uh, he was just too good. Maybe he was just too good. Like, all right, we this is something we, we got to see him struggle. And then he go, I don't know, but I'll say this. Um, not only did he coach me in college, he coached Adrian Peterson in Minnesota when he broke all those records. He coached Jamal Charles when Jamal Charles broke all those records. Oh. Then he was an OC and, and Patrick Mahomes won the MVP. He's been he's been successful everywhere he's been. The guys that he's coached or he's had his hands on, they've been successful. So I think if you're looking at that from an owner's perspective or if you're looking at that from a team's perspective, if you allow him to be the head coach, maybe that team becomes successful, right? And before me, he had a guy by the name of Chris Brown who was up for the Heisman who played for the tight the Texans. Like he's just had success follow him everywhere he's gone. And so he's a great coach. He's a fiery coach, but he holds people accountable. And then in the NFL, we know that's one of the most important things you have to do is hold guys accountable um, if you expect them to succeed. And be consistent. I mean, I think that is the as long as you're just a consistent and you hold people accountable, people buy in. And if you win, his resume says you'll win if you do so. Do you think he just take any job or does he know that some jobs are you know, a one-way ticket to, oh, shit, I'm going to be unemployed again in probably a year or two. Like, do you think that is something that he's doing, or you think he just wants uh, the opportunity anywhere? I think he wants the opportunity anywhere. I know he wants to be the NFL. Um, he was going to take that Cincinnati job. He thought he had it uh, when they when Zach Taylor got it. And obviously the way that's kind of panned out, it seems like Zach Taylor's doing a, a better job than what he did the first couple years. Yeah, I'd say. Um, I'd say. So, I mean, to me, he was – he's – he, look, there's only 32 of them, right? And so you want to be one of those 32, and you want to have to find a way to go. Last year before Urban Meyer, he was really excited about the Jacksonville job. Uh, he wanted to get that one, which we know at this point was kind of like a, a complete rebuild. You're you're trading guys away, doing different things. So he's ready for whatever challenge that is presented to him. He just wants to get that opportunity to show what he can do. It has to come at some point. We'd awesome. Go ahead, Ty. MJD, when you look at the uh, Packers' backfield against Arizona, A.J. Dillon started to get more carries, and he had a huge night. And then he looked really good in the first half against the Chiefs, and then they kind of went away from him. How hard is it to balance that when you have like that, you know, they just paid Aaron Jones, but it seems like the running game is a little bit different when he's in. Like, How do you balance that with those two guys going down the, uh, the stretch run here? Well, uh, one thing is, as a head coach, that's your job, right? You have to be able to say, okay, it's getting colder. We want to get A.J. Dillon going going because he weighs 250 pounds. He's going to be tough to tackle. But we also want to find ways to get Aaron Jones going because he's so explosive, right? So maybe it's some short passes to Aaron Jones. Maybe it's some more passing game to Aaron Jones, more runs to A.J. Dillon. Or, okay, if we get in the red zone, we're going we're gonna to run A.J. Dillon a little bit or give A.J. Dillon a series, right? Uh, you can go two series to one series. Um, when I was with Fred Taylor early in my career, 
it was I would have specialty plays for me. And then as the season went on, I got a series or two to ever ever to I guess every Fred's two or three, right? So Fred would get two series and I would get one. Or Fred would get three series and I would get two. And it kept us fresh and we were both explosive down the stretch. And and we in two thousand seven, we ran ourselves to the playoffs. So hopefully Green Bay kind of figures out that uh you gotta massage it a little bit because we all have egos. That's part of it too. You gotta massage it a little bit, but if it's best for the team, they gotta do it. And only one ball, too. You know, you got to manage egos, expectations, and there's only an allotment of opportunities given to any team at any given time. Fred Taylor, OG, though. Fucking love that dude. I assume you do as well, yeah? Oh, yeah, that's my guy, man. I, anytime I'm in uh, Florida, I always go check on him. We always talk. Listen, I wouldn't be me if it wasn't for him. He taught me a ton. I trained with him every offseason. Matter of fact, you know who else I trained with? I got to give a shout-out to? I don't know how he's still doing it, but Frank Gore. Hey, right? He's about to box. I got, hey, I got, listen, I don't know. Anybody want to put something? I got Frank. Frank been boxing since like 09. So I got was, Frank too, by the way. I got Frank. Yeah, yeah. we I all got Frank. Frank. He, played, he played football with no pads for 35 years in a position that you get hit every single play, basically. We're, that's what I couldn't believe. I'm like, Frank, what are you doing? Put some thigh pads in. No, I'm okay. No, and his shoulder pads, yeah. his shoulder pads are literally like Rey Mysterio's luchador mask on his shoulders. <laughs> This, exactly. is li- this is literally what it is. And then his socks are always awesome. He is maybe my favorite just like football player of all time that I've ever got to experience. He was the fucking man. I got him as well. As soon as I heard that uh, Deron signed, uh, Deron Williams, yeah, uh-huh. Darren Williams, mm-hmm. who we know, I guess he's been doing MMA for a while. As soon as he right. said, I'm like, I don't know if Frank Gore's the fucking guy that you want to do like, hey, I'm tougher than somebody. I don't know. I mean, good luck to both of them. I appreciate him doing it. But Frank Gore is that dude. I fucking love that man. Yeah, so no, I, I remember we'd work out in Miami in the middle of the summer in the heat. They're Frank going box for two hours after. But then he'd sh- Hey, he showed up at our he showed up at OTAs or whatever, you know? And he had his own routine at this point. He already had his entire offseason routine. And they were trying something new in the uh conditioning thing. And they wanted uh, Frank to be the first to do it. Or Frank was like, I ain't doing that. No, I, I ain't gonna, I'm going to go do my work right here. Frank worked his ass off, but he had his own routine. And he was like, he was beloved by every human. But the equipment staff loved him because they had to deal with something new equipment wise because he didn't want to wear anything. So the NFL always had these question marks. The training staff, I got him in a fight as well. And by the way, if you ever got in there, we'd take you as well, MJD. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I was tough for like nine years of my life. I'm not tough anymore, man. I'm, I'm done with the, 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 I don't want to do it no more. I, I'm on the media side. I'll cover it though, for sure. Yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> talk about Frank doing that out there. And then no I'll go question. to virtual reality in box where there's no, no yeah. chance of getting actually punched in the face. Uh, we can't thank you enough from your truck. Ladies and gentlemen, NFL network analyst, NFL legend, Maurice Jones Drew. Thank yeah. you. Hey, he's a good conversation every time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming into it, I was literally like, we got to talk to him about something other than the Jags. Because literally the only thing we ever ask him about is the Jags. And I assume he always has to talk about the Jags. It's not his fault, but that is literally where a lot of his career was spent. So I'm happy we got a chance to chit-chat about him in college yeah. and his thoughts on everything. He is fucking good, that guy. I feel like he's like he's pretty well connected, too, because he is such a good dude. Like He knows so many coaches and players throughout the league that he talks to on a regular basis. Him saying, I talked to some people in... <laughs> Cleveland, they said it wasn't like any Malkatan or anything like that. And then, you know, I, I know they're happy they're going to try. That. I feel like he is plugged in because he is friends with everybody. Did you have to play against him? Yeah. 
Yeah, played against him when he was uh, in Jacksonville, and then he was with the Raiders for a little bit too. What did you do? You did the the. I either missed the tackle or tried to hit him low, and hopefully my teammates helped me out. It was a rally. It was a rapid you know, rally. He's a true bowling ball. Like, that dude's legs and ass are so thick. Okay, take him low. You're probably going to bounce off it and get a concussion if you if you get those kind of things. Well, not you. And if you try it's to take him high, never. you're going to fly right off of him. You're going to get a concussion if you get those kind of things? Yeah. Some people are more prone than others. That's all I'm saying. I never had to tackle him. Thank God. But I, but I did uh, get kneed in the face by Cromarty because he, he he ran like <laughs> like Max Player. Yeah, yeah. He had he ran his, his knees were so high. You're right. He does have like a, a real distinctive stride to it. Oh, and he broke free on a kickoff. I mean, it was very free. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So I went to try to tackle him, and I just ate knee knee <laughs> knee, oh. knee and I got him down. But man, I'll never forget being like, oh my god, did I get a concussion? Do I still have my teeth? That is, there, there's some angry runners. Like, I know Kyle Brandt has an entire angry run, but there are some people. Like, I think I tackled Des Bryant. No. Maybe Des was punt returning for Dallas at one point. We were at mm-hmm. home. Yeah. And I hit a bad ball, and he was coming down the sideline, and I knew I was probably. He was running so mad. I, I, his knees looked like they were going to hit me so hard. There was just a couple different styles of running. And MJD always seemed like people were just bouncing off of him every time he ran. Yeah, he, he remember uh we probably don't Michael Turner, Michael the Burner Turner. Oh, he was oh, with yeah. Atlanta Falcons. For a while. He was another guy that was trying to tackle like MJD, like those shorter, stockier dudes that they're true and they hide behind the linemen, like which they should. Like you can't find them all of a sudden, bam, they're right in your face knocking you over. People acting like I just got short. Short since I was nine. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Hey, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users. Users. FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sportsbook going for a lot of reasons, most of them what I just said. Uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Nah. Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. A man calling us from L.A., born and raised in Compton, California, would go on to have championship success Mm -hmm. as a JUCO coach that was spotlighted on Netflix's Last Chance You, yeah. the man who founded Slapdick Whiskey, what? Slapdick Cigars, what? the Slapdick Podcast, what? Real Coach JB. What up, what up, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound amazing. I'm happy for the first time in like three weeks. We got a good... Uh, this is from two days ago when JB made an appearance in a group text of ours between me, AJ, and JB, talking about how Mickey's is the beer of choice for not only him, but all basic hood drinks. And I didn't know anything about it. You kind of took a shot at me. Is Mickey's something you've drank for the, this is the first time you drank this in, what, 20 years, JB? 
Yeah, I haven't had Mickey's, man. I just found it and posted it on Twitter. I think AJ saw it. I found one in my outdoor refrigerator, man. So I had one. I posted a live video because I said, I'm going to do it live and see if I really fucking have a Mickey's and really show my worth. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and you have one. Now, do you guys know the story about these? No. All right. So when you crack the top of this thing. Shug that thing, JB. You Push. see this deal right here inside the cap? You see arrow? that? Is it an arrow? So every cap is unique. Every cap has a code in it. Oh, so I, I pulled it up to see like this no particular fear. one here is means step up. Oh. oh, so it's like a fortune cookie beer? Yeah, It's a fortune cookie. Every single Mickey's top, when you open it, you're supposed to figure out what is inside of it. Is this so, the first time you've ever done this, or does anybody oh, else know about it? it? For years, we've been doing it for years. That that was like the number one reason you bought these in high school and shit. You wanted to figure out the fucking code that the teachers didn't teach you. You didn't learn shit in school, so you might as well learn this shit. <laughs> All right, I love the fact that you have it in your fridge, like when Bill Carr passed along some Iron City mm -hmm. to Tomlin in there. You still have the Mickey's. You still true to your roots. I respect it. How do you guys not like Mickey's? Uh, you do not drink that thing's two years old. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it tastes like piss. <laughs> yeah. What's that taste like, Gary? You're pretty good. Oh, this is fucking great. What? Hey, cheers! I wish I had one over here, man. <laughs> yeah. Cheers to you, oh, yeah. dude. We gotta send them to you. No, no, no. I'm sure I can find them around here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, cheers, cheers to you, JP. Hey, cheers to you, man. We appreciate you joining us. Um, let's get into it. College football. I don't know how you did last week. I heard you call. I heard you. You made some eh. picks. How'd you do? How'd it go? Nah, I'm shitty. Why? You know, it, man, these 17 to 21 year olds and then half of them in the transfer portal. You can't pick these motherfuckers, right, man? <laughs> Unless you're just a straight up watching that particular fucking team every game. I, you can't pick these dudes, right, man? It's a, like Georgia might fucking shit on themselves tomorrow against a team like Tennessee who could throw the ball all over the park. And George, I don't believe Georgia's faced a passing attack like Tennessee. I still don't think it's going to fucking really matter. I think Georgia's D-line is going to shut the fucking pass down by sacking the quarterback, which people don't realize. But um, I don't know, man. I don't think, I don't think uh, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to gauge these things unless you're a full-time handicapper, in my opinion, with college kids because kids are so just predictable as far as what they got going on. You know, you got guys filming Bo Davis at Texas on a fucking bus as he's cussing them out. So, like I did my podcast yesterday, nobody's safe anymore, man. Nobody's safe anymore. That used to be sacred ground, AJ. You know that. A locker room, a locker room and what happened with the coach and the team was sacred, uh, you know, ground, intimate setting. It don't, it don't exist no more, man. So, it's just uh, it's kind of unfortunate. You can't even have those conversations with kids that you're giving $100,000 scholarships to. How do like, you do that no, now, JB? Like, loyal fucks. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a coach, though, how do you find that balance? We know, like, you, what do you say if you're if you're allowing it? If, you, if it's happening, you're allowing it, whatever. If someone has to so undiscipline, whatever the players are doing. But how do you mix that fine line of having a disciplined team but also letting them be themselves and, and being individuals and making plays? Nah, good question. Coaching or allow it, like we always say as a coach or, or in life period, I believe you coach it or allow it. Um, like I saw a kid in the store yesterday talking to his mom about what the fuck he wanted to eat that night. And I'm like, mom, you, you're, you're going to bow down to your son that's never paid a fucking light bill or a mortgage. <laughs> um, I, you know, coach it or allow it. She allowed it. I think, you know, Sark and his staff, I think they, they're a player's staff. They're players, you know, players, coaches. So I think they are... Uh, 
they they have that uh you know reach with them i think they have that you know there's a there's a line there i just think today's society these kids man i think i don't think they give a fuck i really don't think they care about anything but themselves because they wouldn't transfer this much if they cared about the team it's not everybody right you're just saying it seems like there's an alarming amount of more people because you're right the whole thought of us potentially recording rich rodriguez chewing us out in a meeting after a game and then posting it because knowing what's going to happen that is not scare you right yeah that would never happen that would is something that would never happen nowadays there is no fear factor and i think it goes back to society there's no fear factor because the parents can't even hit the kid because social services will come arrest the parents So, I mean, I'm just saying, think think about it. I don't mean hit him in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to cause some headways with that one. But we understand it's a different society now than it has always been. But some teams will be able to adjust, some won't. But you're right. It does seem to be – I didn't know this video even existed until you mentioned it. And then the thought of what all could potentially be taken out of context whenever you're trying to coach up people is a fascinating – that could potentially be the next wave, I guess, for coaches. Yeah, you know, like to answer and and to AJ's point, like he asked that question, where's the fine line? In my opinion, like you have to have that it factor, just like you do when you play quarterback or middle linebacker or what have you. I think you're you got a sense for the ball, you got a sense of where the QB's going as a mic backer. You got a quarterback wise, you know, Tony Romo, great fucking skill set, top ten skill set of all time, in my opinion, as far as release, arm strength, accuracy, but could never win a playoff game. So he didn't have the it factor. And I think the coaches are the same way. I think you're either you have it or you don't. The kids are going to buy into your, I, I think, genuine, uh, real spit at- approach or they're not. And they're going to fucking film you. You know what I mean? And um, I, I don't know, man. It's kind of it's unfortunate. Uh, have you heard? This is it right here. If you want to hear, listen to this. Some of you motherfuckers need to get in the transfer. You want to go? Get in the motherfucker. All right. I don't want to hear anymore. I understand where it's headed, but I can get your ass in the transfer portal. (laughs) (laughs) But I could see how, right, like the player knew he was exposing this. And if he's exposing this, that means he wants people to know, like, hey, this guy ain't. It's like a relationship issue from the top to bottom. And who knows how they got to this point. But let's talk about that real quick, because a college coaching situation just happened in the NFL literally within the last 24 hours. Sean McVay, I think, recruited OBJ to the Rams, where maybe other places didn't do that. Is that what it is, just authenticity? Do you think it's energy? What What do you think it is to potentially get guys to buy in? I, I, I agree. I do believe what you said is accurate. I think it is recruiting. Uh, it, you know, the kid has to buy into what you're selling. I don't think McVeigh had one fucking thing to do with it at all. Um, oh. Good friend of mine's a whiteout coach for the Rams. For I spoke to him yesterday. Um, really, really good friend of mine goes way back with him. Um, I actually had him do me a favor yesterday, and I'll tell you off the record, but he, he, uh, he, L.A. recruited him. It had nothing to do with the fucking. That's the difference between Green Bay and and and, and it wasn't Stafford and Rodgers. Obviously, I would take Rodgers, right? Uh, but Green Bay can't offer what L.A. has. I mean, that's just simply put. I mean, there's nothing else about it. You got females here, and you got fucking beaches. You got snow in the beach, and you got both within an hour, and and you got mansions in in Hollywood. I mean, plus you got you know the LeBron James factor is real. I truly believe LeBron James. And OBJ's relationship had something to do with it. I think McVay calling, though, and also saying this is how our offense could look is 
potentially a part of it, but you're right. Whenever star fans are calling, which is how it was being reported, and LBJ's out there, and Cronky, and that old Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey saying, we're going to pick you up at the airport. I mean, that is that is an yeah. all-out recruiting process. Everybody wants to feel wanted. At the end of the, don't you feel like that? Yeah, Everyone wants someone, wanted. they want to feel like they're wanted somewhere. And that's yeah. why I think the transfer portals become such a thing, because that, that luster wears off after you get recruited. Then you go, you think you're going into the transfer portal. Okay, I'll go somewhere that wants me the same way I was a Allegedly wanted here a few years ago and it hasn't worked out. And who knows how any of it will end up panning out. Go ahead, Tom. You know what's fucked up about it is you leave the trans you leave a school, let's say you leave Alabama. A linebacker yesterday entered the portal from Alabama, and I saw a meme or whatever, and it was pretty true. There's a line like it's going to the pearly gates. There's like a line of millions in the transfer portal. And you thought you were hard it was hard to play at Alabama. It's ten times harder to fucking get through that portal and find a real, a place that's gonna allow you to get drafted again. Like, you're probably going to get drafted if you stay at Alabama, dude. Like, that's what I don't understand. Um, I think these people are, 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 you know, grass is greener on the other side type of deal. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not. And they, these kids just don't have enough nuts and guts, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, that was my good time. Coach JB, if Cincinnati gets left out of the playoff this year, do you think that they'll ever make it in? And is it also possible you think that a Big Ten uh, school doesn't make it as well? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel how the rule is. Okay, how they de- how they devised the rule, how they created this rule years ago when they started the playoff in the four team deal. I don't think it's right that a team like Cincinnati does get in for the simple fact. That, now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to say it wrong. I do. I do love the young, the uh, the underdog getting into a playoff if possible. I don't feel it's ever going to happen, and I don't believe it should happen based on strength of schedule, who they play, and based on all the other factors that go into it. Cincinnati's had a great year, unbelievable. They beat Notre Dame, who I think is very average at best, and no Jeez. one else. If Notre no Dame wins else. that game, though, they're thrusted up into what? The top two, probably. Oh, yeah. You know? It- if what? If Notre Dame beats Cincinnati, they're probably thrown right up in there for a big deal. And on the flip side, it's like, well, Notre Dame's not that good. It just, I feel like the current system's fucked. How would you fix it, JB? It is, man. First of all, college football needs a commissioner. They don't have one. They should have one. I don't know why they don't. It's a conglomerate. It's a Fortune 500 company. It's a huge entity. They're making billions. They're, 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 they're running a fucking, you know, non-caring assholes of America fucking these kids every day. If possible, which way possible. I, I think that they should have at least a commissioner not to slap everyone in the face as hard as they are doing and blatantly getting away with it. At least have a commissioner saying, all right, let's do this, this, and this. Let's really look into the refs on what these targeting calls are causing, uh, which is basically loss of salary for these kids to lose game film every day. They have no interest or investment in these kids, so they don't really give a fuck when they suspend you after you've just spent nine months of your life busting your ass to play in this one game and you get a targeting call and you're ejected in 10 minutes and your whole fucking career might be over. So it's like... What's his name? Stabowski? Stakowski? The Clemson linebacker? Skowski. Skowski. That was um, in the national championship game? National title game. Like, you live to play in those games. AJ knows that shit. Like, come on, dude. You're going to kick me out of that game? Like, That's like... You got to be trying to go through your... Crawl through your skin to get back in that game. And... And a referee who has no clue about body mechanics or kinesiology or fucking anything as far as can control. You can tell me you can control uh, that that hit. No, you can't. But 
Um, you know, commissioner, in my opinion, is needed to 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 figure this thing out because, you know, years ago, Boise State beat Oklahoma. You've had these underdog teams win these big games. Don't say it hasn't happened. You know, Appalachian State won double A at the time. FCS now beats Michigan. I mean, you've had it happen. I just believe now it's more watered down and it's more amped to happen now with the transfer portal. You see it every day. Northern Arizona beat the shit out of Arizona this year. Jacksonville State beat the shit out of Florida State. And, I then, mean, and then that guy proposed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got yeah, married. then the guy proposes as Jacksonville State's fucking him in the ass. Oh, on the oh, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Jacksonville State literally was winning the game while this guy's proposing. <laughs> JB, hey, what about USC and LSU? Two big jobs that are going to be open. Who should be hired? Man, it's tough, man. I don't know. I don't know if you guys noticed your boy Dan Orlovsky's team, UConn, uh, hired, a, hired a good dude, a guy I know pretty well. And everyone's kind of, we actually have the same agent. Uh, uh, Mora. If you saw Mora. the UConn hire, Jim Mora. So yeah. uh, they hired. That's a surprising hire. Pretty, pretty interesting to talk. I've talked to a few people. Already, that's interesting for to me that he went out to the East Coast, um, smaller school, but I think he'll do great things there. Um, I was thinking he might be in the mix on one of those deals, and oh. now you see him go to UConn, so that kind of throws a, a wrench in this whole thing because, you know, he's a guy with not only the name of his dad, but his self-coach in the league, big-time schools before, turned UCLA around, I feel. He was on the right path to the UCLA job. Um, like I like I said before, AJ, I think Miranda Baylor, who who's an L.A. guy, um, makes the most sense to me. I just don't know what his whole deal is. I don't so know you, have, you don't know yet. You have no idea. You're still speculating, JB. I, I mean, <laughs> finish the Mickey's, get to the bottom of it, and give yeah, us a goddamn. Just a slap dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. But I do like that you do. Mora hiring is very interesting. I think we're all very surprised by that, including Orslovsky, by the way. He was very Not surprised happy. by the entire thing. If they can turn that school around from what they've been, though, good on you. Good luck, too. It gets very cold there. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Coach, Monday night there was a pretty questionable taunting call, and then even last night there was a few rough in the passers uh how do you think that the nfl should kind of fix those rules going forward i don't know if they are man because you know the the, the nfl's number one rule as aj can attest to much better than me is is just because of all the players i have in the league and coaching buddies i know it's to protect the merchandise and the merchandise is the highest paid player on the in the field which is the quarterback and so they're gonna protect the merchandise i don't care what they end up doing, I don't think there is going to be a rule change. And regardless of public's persona of it or what we want to do, we all think it's shit. We all think it's pussy soft. We all think it's everything else. Like, nobody's going to change it. There's only one person that can change it. And, you know, I don't think that they are, man. I think it's going to continue this way. And so, unfortunately, it's trickling down to the targeting in the college. It's, it's Oh, a yeah. See, it's I think just, it actually uh, went up. See, I think it went up. The quarterback thing... We, that, there was a couple seasons there where the high-end merchandise, the high-end superstar players all got hurt. Remember, there was like yeah. there was a couple weeks there where three out of the top like six guys weren't playing for like five, six straight weeks, and I think that was potentially when the alarm bells said we got to protect our guys. So then it got obviously abuse leads to restriction, and they want the complete opposite direction and penalize it too hard. Then he loosened it up. Now they're back in it. It's just uh, it's always a fine balance, especially with a sport that is so there's so much violence in football. It is it's hard for I don't know how they gauge tampering it down. Well, it and, used to be violent. 
<laughs> still big hits. Hey, there's still some big shots happening, but they're asking people to make decisions in the high speed. I don't know how AJ did it, and I don't even know how you would coach it at this point. I have no idea how you would do it. Last night, the hit, the hit, oh. the red zone when the guy hits the tight end in the back with his shoulder. I mean. Mm-hmm. How are you going to control that? The guy's catching the ball on his knee, falling down. This guy's coming to make a play to make sure that he has to still touch the guy or he walk crawls in the end zone, right? So, like, I don't understand how you how you even put that into your rule book as an NFL or a players association or whatever. I, I don't know. That's well, just, to me, is this alarming. But well, oh, There's trillions of dollars to be made at some point. No They're doubt. trying to do what they got to do. Speaking of money being made, we're trying to take – Every dollar from FanDuel. AJ and I predicted the entire NFL slate, and I feel like we're both going to go undefeated somehow. Mm-hmm. My picks, uh, $10 to win 12000 Every week we ride alongside you on the college football slate. Let's get into it, JB. We know you're not a professional. We don't expect you to get everything right, but we are excited for the day that you do, and today could be that day going into the weekend. Hey, shoot for the stars, land on the fucking moon. Let's do it. Hey, yeah. let's do it. All right, I got a... Uh... Penn State, Michigan's minus one and a half. I'm taking Penn State. Oh. Now, let me, let me, before I read these off for you real quick, how does Michigan jump Michigan State? Oh. Oh. How, does, how oh. does Ohio State not jump Oregon then? Because, see, I think the Oregon mm. over Ohio State is the right choice. Because unless, we're playing on the field for a reason, I thought. And, and if Oregon beat them, regardless of who else they beat, if they both have the same record, they should be ahead of Ohio State, period, in my opinion. The same with Michigan, Michigan State. Now, that shows incredible inconsistency, in my opinion, if, if, if Michigan jumped Michigan State, but they have the exact same scenario as Oregon and fucking Ohio State. So uh, that's why the NCAA needs a commissioner, in my opinion. But, um, All right, got, you got oh, Penn State yeah. oh, plus one and a half against Michigan. Yes, sir. All uh, right. Penn State, uh, James Franklin. OU, minus five and a half versus Baylor. Baylor come off a tough loss. I think Baylor's going to cover at least, if not get them. So Baylor's going to have a big one this week. And I think OU's uh, – now, mind you, I've been saying OU's runs over, and they've continued to keep winning. Yeah, so. you, it seems like you hate uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. It does seem hey, like you have a personal – That's an interesting deal, too. They're staying at number eight. And usually Oklahoma, they bump them motherfuckers into the playoff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wonder why they're so low. I'm curious on that one. Like, you know, Herb Street, you know, after game one, he already told that fucking Caleb Williams is the Heisman after he played a half of football. So that was fucking <laughs> interesting. And, and also Herb Street picked Ohio State over Oregon, which just blows my mind. I'm like, I not, I get it. Yeah, AJ's I mean, doing the AJ, same thing, by the way. Yeah, AJ would do this. AJ did it. He has some fucking merit. I mean, he yeah. won a Super Bowl and fucking is a legit dude. Like, quit saying that shit. All right. Like, all right. All right. Get to your next pick. Okay. Mississippi here. State versus Auburn. I'm taking Auburn uh, with the points. They got their minus five and a half. I'm taking Auburn uh, on that one um, after Lane beat their ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the Lane, one. Lane I picked against Georgia in these high spreads before. Georgia's minus 20 versus Tennessee. Like I did say, I think Tennessee can throw the football better than Georgia's faced. Um, it's a tough one, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Tennessee covering minus twenty again. I'm gonna try plus one more twenty, time. right? Plus twenty on Georgia, or Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Georgia's favored by twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennessee plus twenty. All right. So Penn State plus one yep. and a half, Baylor plus five and a half, Auburn minus five and a half, in yep. Tennessee plus twenty. Do you have one more that we can really I got lock two in? More. Purdue versus Ohio State. Ohio State minus twenty one and a half. I'm taking Purdue. Oh. 
here we it's go. It's a giant spread. Jeez. Huge. Yeah, no, that's Holy what I'm saying. Purdue just upset fucking Michigan State. That's what they're thinking, that. right? That's what, yeah, they're that's, thinking. that's what they're thinking. Uh, my, my Arena League, my arena league fo- uh, football coach, Jeff Brom, was my coach. Great dude at Purdue. Uh, he's doing great things there. Um, it's my heart Texas beating. Texas A&M versus Ole Miss. A&M versus Ole Miss. Big game. Last game of the slate. Um, A&M's minus two and a half. I'm taking Lane and the Ole Miss boys. Okay, plus two and a half. So you like Ole Miss plus two and a half. Purdue plus 21 and a half against Ohio. Is that in uh, Columbus? 21. It's 21. 21 and a half. Is that, it's just 21, 21 and a half, whatever the case, you're taking it regardless. Is that in Columbus? Yes, I believe it is. Hey, do we got eyes on the drum major? Is that is that thing falling on the way out like it did that first? Yeah, so it, oh, true. That'll have to. We'll have to read the pregame sheets to see how the drum major did with the uh, potential bad aura. Tennessee plus twenty, Auburn minus five and a half, Baylor plus five and a half, and Penn State plus one and a half. Hey, this is the week, Coach. Yeah. Here we go. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Hey, how about how about Alabama playing New Mexico fucking state? How do you feel about it? Like, why, why, why are you playing them motherfuckers right now? Like, this shit don't make no sense, man. I, I don't know. Have you guys seen the Chop House? Uh, like you guys say, the Chop House video, uh, Urban and the, and the female that I posted? That I posted. No, we have not. We have not seen that, obviously. Oh, angle. Oh, okay. All right. We did see that video. You said it was in West Virginia or Kansas. Have a little bit more respect for West Virginia. I'm not sure that. Hey, maybe, maybe. Hey, Why is everybody saying it was in Morgantown, man? Well, that's there's a, there's a chance. There's, <laughs> you go into a couple bars, there is a chance that's going to happen, JB. We appreciate you joining us. Enjoy that Mickey's brother, and have a great weekend. Hey, appreciate you guys. Be safe out there. How's the Maz? Hey, they're good, man. Uh, you know, oh, the Maserati. I'm fucking speaking of that, man. Uh-oh. Hey, do you guys think I have a temper problem? No. 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 Very little head. I think I broke my hand. So oh. I came home and dropped my fucking Starbucks coffee after being in line 30 minutes. Oh, no. Dropped the bitch all over my carpet over here. The dogs are licking it up right now. Um, <laughs> so instead of, like, being mad at anything else, I think I hit my dryer, and I think I broke my fucking hand. No. Oh, shit. The Maserati sunroof broke. Oh. And- Two grand. Two grand to fix this fucker. So I've been in the shop for two days. And uh, so I'm driving the Cadillac truck right now. No, okay. Oh, yeah. We're back. Yeah. We're back. Oh, not a bad trade-off. Yeah, you're back to the room. We appreciate you for joining us. Ice that hand down. And hey, you sound like one of the most basic humans of all time. I spilled my Starbucks, punched a wall. Yeah. It's all right. I mean... Yeah, no shit, right? That's just normal shit to me. I mean, I don't, I don't see no problem with it. I hope nobody calls fucking anybody on me. So, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Coach JB, we appreciate you, man. Coach! All right, that's the show. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. We can't thank you enough. If you missed out on it, hashtag PMS Feel Good Friday. Pat's giving away $20,000. Just take a picture of where you're at watching or listening to the show and you will be entered to win enjoy all the games this weekend and we will see you for overreaction monday cheers